All right. Hi, everybody. This is Jen. And uh, I'm here with my friend Jen. My name is Rachel. Yeah, we are in San Cristobal de las Casas, Chiapas, Mexico. Woo! And the southern state of Chiapas, Mexico. It's our last day here. We have been on a lot of buses, a 10-hour bus journey to Palenque. Which is in the jungle. Yes. And um, currently, you know, because we're in Mexico, we're waiting for the hot water to kick on. When I woke up, I found out it would be another hour. So we thought, you know, what better time than no coffee, no breakfast, just sitting here looking at the gorgeous view, waiting for a shower. Mm -hmm. They are quite on a later time schedule. Dinner at 11 p.m. Yeah. Stay out all night, wake up with a hangover and, you know, eat your breakfast at 10 or 10 or 11. It's not the worst life. No, it's a good life. Definitely not my life. Well, I think well, I'm becoming more accustomed <laughs> to it, but but definitely not the way I used to roll. Rachel's been here for seven months, eight months? I don't even know. I can't even count anymore. But right now we're in the month of April, and it's been since August, so you do the math. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been hanging out in not Chiapas, but a more central Mexico state called Puebla. My city is two hours outside of Mexico City. So I've definitely been living and learning and loving all things Mexico. And today we, I think we want to talk about what it's like being a foreigner for the first time. Well, not for the first time, you've traveled a lot, but I guess... A foreign resident? A foreign resident, <laughs> yes. You have a Mexican bank account, you have a Mexican address. Oh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Like, I've never sent a piece of mail because I don't know, I don't know how, but yeah, I do have a, I do have a mailing address. Um, <laughs> and yeah, truly being yeah, a participant in society. I mean, I, have a, I even have a green card. Oh. It's literally, wow, it's actually green, green. Yeah. I'll show it to you. Um, I look kind of like a dystopian uh, alien figure, maybe an mm. avatar. But yeah, I'm there. Yeah. They really edited out my, my blemishes. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot since I've been here about some of the... I don't even know. Some of them are challenges. Some of them are just annoyances of the way people relate to me because I'm clearly an outsider. Uh, Werita, if you will. Blue-eyed and, and light hair. And I've been thinking a lot about what is is this at all comparable to what my friends in the United States who are immigrants or whose parents are immigrants, is this what they've experienced their whole life? A lot of my friends very much belong in the United States are very much a part of the culture there, have been there their whole life, but people still see them as an outsider. People still ask them certain questions and I'm experiencing. So I'm just trying to trying to think about that and kind of wonder mm. what what does that feel like for other people? Am I even close to experiencing that or yeah. is this something completely different? I, I don't know. And the thing we're really interested in how we go about learning a culture. Yeah, it's a big one. There's like so many different ways between reading, between obviously being here and living here, between talking to people. Um, and it's kind of tricky sometimes. Yeah, I've, I found myself asking questions and then going back and saying, wait, was I allowed to ask that question? Or yeah. was I allowed to laugh at that moment? because I thought it was funny. Am I allowed to think a culture is funny? I don't, there's a lot that I'm wrestling with here, and I think we've both been thinking about that a lot this week um, as we've seen things that are new and, mm-hmm. and interesting and we're curious about them. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything you want to start with? Anything, we're, we're, I don't know. I, an interesting 
difference I've noticed between where I'm living in Puebla, where I'm kind of one of a handful of people who are different, and being here in San Cristobal is here, it seems like there's this huge variety of people. And so the learning has been a little bit different. And um, I don't know, I, I think an interesting point to start with is, I don't know, what do you think? Like a quick description of yeah kind of who the types of people we've we've noticed around in this mm-hmm. this town um so San Cristobal is kind of tucked away in the mountains and the highlands of southern Mexico kind of near Guatemala and what we're learning is there is recently as of the 70s a really high presence in this town of the indigenous populations of people who live all throughout the region um, they've just kind of gained that right to be in the town through some some political activism. Yeah, if you want to look it up, it's called the Zapatistas. Zapatistas, yeah. So we've got lots and lots of, of native populations speaking lots of different languages. I just mm-hmm. learned about the language Totsil and Tzitzel. I'm probably not saying it right, but um, we've got that huge, massive wave of people interacting with this group of tourists really who are in and out from I mean it seems like all over Europe the states Latin America Australia yeah people from the world are here passing through because it's a brilliant landscape it's close to jungles and waterfalls and um and then you have those kind of expat permanent residents who are just here because of different reasons because they Mm -hmm. love Mexico because they want to make a change because they want to be an artist, and there's no other place for them yeah, in the world. They want to be a writer. They want to be a writer, you know. Um, and so we've met this really interesting collection of people, and I think I've been kind of gathering perspectives in my time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you. Like, we had those two different conversations with, one, this bookseller. And right before that, we were talking about, or we were curious about the literacy rates here, because mm. we see a lot of children, especially, on the streets, peddling different textiles and different foods. Um, and we're both really into reading. And we were thinking, well, what about, like, do people read? <laughs> um, so we were in this bookseller's really, really tiny bookshop. I think a donation-based bookshop. Yeah, it seemed of- like he'd just kind of gotten started by some, some random donations. Mm-hmm. And another artist who was from Barcelona. 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 <laughs> And both of them were here for different reasons. I mean, this bookseller was really... It was interesting because we were talking about literacy. And then this bookseller, we walk in and immediately he's like, Hey guys, I've got something to tell you. The people here, you know, do not have access to books. They're expensive. Like, come Mm -hmm. here, buy my books. I'm trying to raise literacy. Whoa. You know? And then, of course, our our artist has a very kind of different stance. And he, he also was really into talking to us about things he's observed and met. It seems like he liked to get to know the people and he was learning some of the language and had bought a pair of shoes for a lady and was talking to us about the difference between being poor and indigenous and how we should never confuse the two, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think in my mind I kind of had until that point, Um, just because I know they, these people, these certain populations don't receive resources from the government and that's kind of like a a said fact. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know, it's been interesting to watch Jen and I both like listen to these different conversations and make these different observations and we're trying to like make our own assessment of these people's right. vitality and then we're like, wait, we we can't do that, right. you know? I don't because <sighs> I feel like I've been saying this kind of time and time again that I'm a third party experiencer. So I'm here and 
the country, but I don't speak Spanish. And so a lot of the stuff that I'm learning is kind of like reading articles after the fact or mm -hmm. talking to you. But it's not quite the firsthand experience. And one of the questions that I asked, which after I asked it, I kind of went back and thought, that was kind of a pretty insensitive question, mm -hmm. was, do you think these populations are happy? Just because I'm always curious yeah. about what makes somebody happy. What is gives it, people meaning. Right. Yeah. Is it a basic need that's met? Is it mm -hmm. self-actualization, which I think is really prevalent in America, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. most of your basic needs are met, so you kind of strive for that. That self-care culture yes. we talked about a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, and then I went back and said, who am I to ask that question mm -hmm. in the first place? And great for you for recognizing that as well. And we went to this town that, when we looked through this like guidebook of tours in the nearby area, this town, Chamula, was on it as a place to go to interact with these indigenous populations and especially watch them make these textiles. And Rachel posed a pretty interesting dilemma, too. Yeah, I mean, I was just wondering, because it was advertised as a, as a tourist attraction, and I was like, can a group of people and their culture and their way of life be a tourist attraction? And I thought about kind of my entire life, and I was like, shoot, there have been many instances in my life where I have you know, toward a, a village or a, a house or a market or something with the intention of, like, observing a culture. And I'm, I'm feeling discomforted by that fact that I've done that and that, you know, I continue to do that. And I don't know, you know, do these people want... To, they're, they're, it's not a zoo, right? We're not going to the indigenous zoo to mm -hmm. watch them live their life. And it just felt like... It felt kind of like we did that. I don't... I don't know. I mean, one since we were buying their products, I bought a cute mm -hmm. tote that I really like. Um, and my friend picked up several things. And so... Kept trying to buy pants. Yeah, he was like, different. everything I want. Because, I mean, yeah. the, the textiles truly are beautiful. Um, I was buying things, but really didn't have any awareness of really how these people are. I didn't ask them their names. Mm -hmm. I didn't, didn't talk with them. Partially, there's a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't know Tsotsu <laughs> as much as I would love to. It sounds beautiful. Um, yeah, so it's just like, is that okay that we did that? Was that, was that village trip appropriate mm -hmm. or, or was it not? Um, and I think we kind of landed on if you're going there to maybe not hang out with them, but um, spend time with them to get to know their day-to-day -day experience, their mm -hmm. overall experience that seems a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, because we had another interesting experience the day, uh, a couple days later, which was yesterday, where we went to a museum in this um, old hacienda, in this big home, mm -hmm. and this anthropologist and her... Husband, like, her both Danish, they were, right? Dutch? Dutch, they are both Dutch. And they had spent their life's work living in these forests with a, per a certain Mayan population called the Lacondon. Like, something like that <laughs> and this museum was dedicated to this this culture so yeah. we found ourselves after asking all of these questions in a museum looking at pictures Pict right. images artifacts portraits especially portraits of a population of people mm -hmm. who are still alive and, and thriving today um however small so 
I guess in that context, there, I, I don't know. It's still a museum, but you're we. It was kind of a focus on conserving the culture, educating mm-hmm. people about the fact that we need to save the rainforest for these reasons, and we need to respect and preserve these cultures. Mm-hmm. So maybe in that sense, it was kind of um. Maybe we need to activism. think about kind of like uh, our intentions of going there, yeah. which I don't always. I don't always think the intention kind of like negates the the result mm-hmm. if the result is negative. Yeah. But these two anthropologists at this museum, Nabalom, their home, I mean, one of them received this really high honor from the Swiss Council for their work in anthropology. Right. But it was also, it was an anthropological work, but it seemed like it was some of their their best friends. They Mm -hmm. lived in this jungle and built relationships and formed friendships. I mean, it seemed like that. I truly wasn't there, so I don't know. um, Yeah, and I think I think my intention, well, when I, my intention was I heard it was a cool house. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's a pretty place. But when I got there, I was like, oh, cool, like, I can learn. I think that but, part of me that always seeks to learn. But, what about the intention of going to uh, Chamula? Right, but going to Chamula, it was, it was the same thing. Like, I want to learn, but I hadn't th- put any forethought into the fact that I'm watching someone live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, I wonder, I wonder, it's something to think about. Maybe we're missing something here and maybe missing a key perspective. Um, but and then we kind of tie it back to like how how do we learn about this culture? What is acceptable? Mm-hmm. What is appropriate? And right because you know after some of these conversations, I purchased a book from our book friend, and it's a um, more of a scientific study on three different populations in the Chiapas region. And it's talking about, you know, access to basic needs, water, food, education, etc. And this study gives me all of the facts to show that these people are obviously poor. I mean, there are high rates of diabetes because they're consuming Coca-Cola in Instead lieu of water. Of water. Um, things like that. And so if I had just picked up this book, I would think, oh man, these people are, are poor and unhappy. They're all sick. <laughs> But there's so much more to the story, right? I mean, I mean, there's my American brain. I don't think can wrap itself around like what it would mean to grow up and continue your your parents' work. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what it would mean to start working at the age of five and and really help out the family business. Yeah. And and our artist friend mentioned to us that this is this is something that they they value and they're proud of. They're proud right? of and. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I can read a lot and I can read all I want, but is that really getting me the answers? I think the personal connection and the personal touch is probably better, more more important. I don't know. I don't know how you learn if you don't speak the language. (laughs) But, um, yeah, can you think of other ways that you have been learning other than, you know, conversation literature articles asking a lot of questions asking questions is a big one um, but you still need to kind of like ask multiple people right you have right. to ask many sources yeah some of my supposed answers come from living here and i think i don't know why i, I came abroad in the first place but i think it was because i had questions and i was thinking okay maybe if i live there i'll have 
I'll be closer to people who can answer them, mm-hmm. I think. And some of it's just observations, but I think as we've seen, our observations probably don't get us very far. Right. That, yeah, that's um, very true. <laughs> so, Do you feel like you have more answers now than when you started? Well, from when I moved to Mexico, absolutely. Um, yeah, because my prior knowledge of Mexico came from oh, one or two friends and their families, and then lots and lots of reading (laughs) and college lectures and things professors had told me and papers I had written so really different to be to be living there there are cultural nuances you really can't catch um in an academic journal so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's been huge like one of those was when this difference between like Americans being casual and really Mm. laid back Mexican culture seems that way but it's not in the workplace yeah, I was trying to, I've been trying to explain this to Jen, and as I was explaining it, I felt like I was contradicting myself, because again, it, it was just something I've been trying to piece together from my observations, but yeah, this, these little tiny nuances of like, when is a certain culture a little bit more formal, or, or when are they, you know, more relaxed with their time, and um, how, how have others perceived me as kind of an informal American, or a lazy American or I've even been like a dirty American because I don't have the, the a similar standard of cleanliness and beauty even though I think Americans are pretty clean people um there's just different different like the number of criticisms I've received for just being barefoot and just the way it makes me be so careless and so lazy and so so carefree I I just never knew that um I never knew that would be a perception so and it goes both ways. It's what people think of me and what, what I think of, of other people. Um, but these little, these little tiny things that in the moment don't seem like much kind of add up to a broader understanding of mm-hmm. culture. Maybe. <laughs> um, just an idea. I mean, there's, there's so many things here I could talk about, like the way that you greet everybody when you walk into a restaurant, you know. Provecho. <laughs> when you... When you walk down the street, you know, you say hello. When you walk into a store, you say hello. And and so those are initial observations I noticed moving here. And now I'm at a point where I'm asking, okay, why? Um, why are these things happening? Uh, what does this say about the culture, the people? And d- does it say anything or is it mm-hmm. just a tradition? I'm trying to figure it out. Has there been any kind of one striking moment, something kind of defining about your time here? Mm, it's an interesting question. <laughs> I don't yeah, I didn't really give that a lot of a lot of forethought. Um, Something you found funny that <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same thing that you pose where is it okay to find that funny? <laughs> so many things. I mean I mean it's funny that I was telling Jen about an experience where I well, in general you can find a corn-based product literally anywhere and so uh you know my mom was visiting and we thought it was so funny that this dude was just riding around his bicycle like selling selling tacos out of the bike and I was telling Jen about an experience where I bought tacos out of a canoe because everyone's always hustling you know and um my first day in in Mexico I, I got into the Mexico City airport and a driver picked me up and as soon as we get on the highway, the guy next to me is driving a car and just drinking a beer, like just drinking his beer. And then we get to the stoplight and a dude runs up and tries to, to clean the window and um, starts spraying. And then he asks for a tip. And I'm thinking, 
Oh, and then a lady walks around with them. She's selling ice cream cones at the car windows. And I've just arrived in this country. I'm already like bombarded with people trying to sell me their product or people breaking rules that I think are very like important rules in my country all of a sudden don't seem to matter here. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is like strange and hilarious. And, um, you know, and the more I'm here, the longer I realize, oh, there are a lot of factors pointing these people towards these career options and um even my my students who are of like a kind of I t- I'm a teacher so the students I teach are kind of from a a different socioeconomic status they're 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 pretty pretty well off but even my students sometimes will imitate that that salesperson voice and they're really mm-hmm. good at convincing people and they're really good at at selling and and I think it's just kind of an ingrained part of the culture that's kind of funny to me but kind of cool and kind of beautiful that anyone can I don't know sell a product have a business without just kind of just kind of do it (laughs) I don't know (laughs) Um, yeah you've been here a short shorter time so but I think you've kind of seen similar things like we were talking last night with one of our friends about the empanadas yes at these waterfalls so imagine you get off a bus and you're going to see this waterfall you kind of imagine maybe like a peaceful walk mm-hmm. in nature maybe it's a hike you know yes. that's what you're picturing there are like 50 stands selling the same empanada <laughs> <laughs> yeah the same one there's like con queso con pollo i don't know like two or three options mm-hmm. over, and over and over and over again and there's the same textile shirts fabrics over and over and over again. The same fruit stands. Over and over and over again. And they try to sell you things and you're already eating the thing. Like you're <laughs> eating these fr- um, dried bananas. Yeah. And there are still people trying to sell them to you. Yeah. And there's also just... I've seen no limitations in where a, a salesperson can enter. I mean, I think it's f- funny when I get on a on a bus and... You know, I have two or three women walk by with their their chocolates and their candies. Or I go on a hike and I'm in a remote place and then there's the lady with her her grill for the tortillas. Or Or you're you're in in a a restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, and they come in trying to sell you food. I mean, there are no limits to this. Um, Everyone's everyone's got their side hustle or their main hustle, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not really on the side. Um, I think also it'll be interesting to explore in my so I'm a teacher but I feel like a lot of what I teach I kind of learn as I'm as I'm teaching it especially this year and our next kind of when I get back from this trip I'll be entering a unit on um, products like primary secondary and tertiary resources where products come from how we can budget how economies work a lot of that I don't know I especially don't know it about this country and so it'll be interesting to work with my students to kind of you know kind of get some of this some of these details out and kind of I know we're going to be going to supermarkets and markets and kind of interviewing people and kind of trying to to understand where our stuff comes from Mm -hmm. so I think some of these questions we're asking right now as we're talking I'm like oh I'm excited because I think I'm gonna find some answers Mm -hmm. or I'm gonna be more intentional about finding answers which is the cool part about being in a place where you're always you're always learning Mm -hmm. or just being in a mindset of I'm always learning that could be anywhere in the world yeah how far along up this like learning curve do you think you are 
Chad, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I think when you when you move to a new city, country, culture, for a few months, you're just absorbing. I mean, probably my first semester here was just taking it in. And now that I'm almost a year in, I think I'm approaching that point where I'm able to process and analyze. But I was surprised at how little I was able to process for a long time. Just like, oh my God, here are all these things. Like, you know, you asked me for for a striking moment. There, there have been so many, but it's hard to like remember because I wasn't processing. It's mm-hmm. just every day was something, <laughs> something funny or something really frustrating. <laughs> Like you can't open your bank account because the M in your middle initial is like a different shape on one piece of paper than the other. And you've got to go back. I just like, there's so many frustrating things that I'm starting now to finally think about. So yeah, the learning curve, I think it's going to continue. I'm going to stick around a little bit longer so that I can kind of maybe reach some conclusions or maybe Mm -hmm. just find more questions. I don't know. Yeah, we'll always be. (laughs) I'm feeling very, very, uh, you might not understand this, but I'm feeling very PYP. I teach in the IB program, and we're always provoking questions. And now I'm like, oh, I'm one of my students. I'm, inqu- I'm an inquirer. I really am an inquirer. And an inquirer means you're always asking, and you're always looking. What's the biggest question you'll be asking? What next? Ah. <laughs> no, I think I'll just be, I'll be talking to more people. Um, I think I will be asking, where do you find meaning? Where do you find purpose to a lot of different people? Mm -hmm. Whether it's the lady who's crushing fresh fruits for me every morning on my walk to work. Her name is Maddie. Or whether it's the man in the little tiendita by my house who sells avocados and bananas. Or whether it's the the very wealthy ex-alumnus of my school who's you know, driving a boat and working for a big company. I want to ask all of them. I want to say, like, what gives you meaning? What gives you purpose? And I think by finding that answer, I can come to some conclusions. I love that question. Yeah, thanks for listening, if you made it this far. And um, I'm really grateful to Jen that she values time to just sit down and, I don't know, chat about things informally. Mm -hmm. We didn't really practice. No, we didn't. So I don't really know where these things go yeah but um i think it's cool to value question asking and conversation so yeah and what gives you meaning because it's so different everybody it's so different Mm -hmm. you know every single person probably every single day is different for every single person so yeah it's a cool thing to ponder still haven't figured out a signing off tune or signing off catch you later (laughs) 